Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What a wonderful time to be alive. Football is back and it's bigger than ever. Well, that's not strictly true, but we still dedicate this entire episode to the Bundesliga's return. We wrote to Neurosport Germany's Florian Bogner to talk Haaland, the race for the title, and the unavoidable problem. How can football thrive without fans? I'm Ben Snowball, and I also recall football hipster Pete Charlin to give his take on the weekend. All set? Let's go. Hello everyone, Florian. After seven years, I finally get to see the face behind the email address. I'm not disappointed. How are you doing? How is life in Germany? Uh, I'm I'm fine, thank you. I'm on vacation right now, so <laughs> life couldn't be sweeter <laughs> in this case. Perfect vacation activity, joining the Game of Opinions podcast. Of course. And Pete, obviously good to have you here as well. Thank you very much, Ben. Good to be here. Let's talk some Bundesliga then. We actually have some football to talk about, so after eight weeks, we finally have something to actually chat about. Um, now, Borussia Dortmund were probably the weekend's most impressive team, filleting Schalke 4-0 and then celebrating in front of an empty stadium. But Bayern still topped the table by four points after their less impressive, but still the same result, uh, 2-0 triumph at Union Berlin. Uh, so firstly, should Bayern be worried by Dortmund's fast restart? Well, that's a good question. Well, <laughs> I don't have like an, any crystal ball to, to guess uh, my way around that, but um, it, 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 thing, it, it seems to be a two-horse two race right now, right? Um, between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. And... They are capable of winning all their games, and maybe it will come down to the game on next Tuesday, which we we are really desperate to see between Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And um, they have a lot of potential, a lot of very good young players. And if you look at the lineup from Saturday, they were missing on uh, Sancho in the starting eleven. They were missing on Witz- missing on Witzel, missing on Chan, and they had to substitute uh, Joe Reyna directly in front of the game and they still beat Schalke 4-0 so they're real they're real and it's going to be fun to to watch the the next eight games coming up yeah I think Florian's right I think next Tuesday's game is going to be the decisive one because I think as good as Dortmund were on Saturday Schalke were abysmal they were so poor especially Marcus Schubert had a terrible game in goal Um, he led to at least one of the goals and he just conceded it like he was under pressure Um, even when he wasn't I think Dortmund looked like a team who'd been They've been looking after themselves when they were off and they've come back. They trained hard, obviously. Schalke, for whatever reason, they look so disjointed. So I think that we'll know a lot more about this Dortmund team after the game against Bayern because I think that 
realistically, you look at their fixtures, there's a couple of tough games. They've obviously got Leipzig as well at the back end of the season, but they could win 80-85% of the rest of their game. So the buying game, I think, is really going to decide the style race. And obviously, you said you don't have a crystal ball, Florian. But why do you, why do you think that Dortmund found it quite easy to settle back into the routine of it and Bayern, for long passages, just didn't look like a team that were top of the table? Well, they played at home. Maybe that's made, made, still made a difference. Not, not a long journey to go there. Not, not a like preparation, which was totally different to, to the approach before the, the Corona crisis. Maybe that was a reason. And I think uh, Dortmund had, had the really good mindset to, to play the derby, to, to really be successful in this match. They had really something to fight for, for the fans, because it's still a derby. Revier Derby, and I think Bayern had maybe had a had some problems to to get their mindset right to this to this sort of games playing behind closed doors, playing without fans, playing for basically nothing special directly, no no feedback from the fans, and um, they they struggled the first minutes, but but in the end it was a very decent game to put it away two 0 in an away game, so they would have taken that before that, and I think they're, they're quite happy to how, how it worked out, and they can still improve from here. Now, Pete Charlton, we'll come on to your favourite teenager, probably everyone's favourite teenager, Erling Haaland. I know you've written about 400 articles about him in lockdown. Um, he had a delicious opener, opening up his body and guiding it to the bottom corner. Um, we've discussed him previously on the podcast, Florian, with your colleague and potential best friend, Thomas Muller, Tom Muller. Um, but how excited should we be about this kid? I mean, he's 19, and yet every single challenge that seems to be thrown in front of him, whether it's a debut for Dortmund, behind closed doors, playing in the Champions League against Liverpool, he's passing them all, and he's still in his teenage years. So right now, he's, he's just doing the easy things right. He's, he's capable of putting himself in a good position to score, and he's just doing the, the right thing in front of a goal. And he has huge confidence, and... I see no reason why this com- confidence should be shaking anytime soon. But he's still just 19 years old. And we, we've seen a lot of prospects with, with a huge p- potential when they were in their, in their teenager years or in the, the, their early 20s. And I can't, can't see him right now scoring 500 goals for uh, and European professional football because it's still a very, very long way to go. But right now, he's... He looks very, very good, of course. Yeah, Florian's right. Everything he says there is correct. I think one of the things that's really interesting about Haaland that I don't really think I've seen anyone talking about is I remember when other players sort of this talented came through at their age. So you think about the classic ones like Rooney, Fabregas, that, those sort of players. They've obviously completely burnt out by the time they reach their late 20s, early 30s. No one's sort of talking about that with Haaland. And I think players like him and Sancho are actually going to be a really interesting test case in 10 or 15 years' time because... These will be the first players who really had the elite level of sports science. So can these medical guys look after them to the extent that they can actually keep performing as they do to the very top level? I know in the early 2000s, we did have some good medical uh, people working on the, working at the clubs, but I don't think there was enough information there to really say what was going to happen if you play a 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old player 30 games or 35 games a season. Now we know that sort of thing. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch how they're looked after to see if they can actually keep going at this level into their early and late 30s. I think what, what could be like a very good point for him is that his, his father used to be a pro, right? So he's, 
he used he's used how to to live a pro lifestyle because he was a child of a pro. Um, maybe this gave him something special to deal with all, all those things, all those influences he he has to come up with or has to has to struggle with probably in the next few years. But maybe it's all been there for him and his family, so this could be a plus plus point for him probably. If there is one problem though. With Holland, it's not his football touches, his smug interviews that he gives, giving one or two word replies, uh, or being deliberately obtuse. Uh, obviously, he's only 19. I imagine at 19, we were probably equally irritating and maybe not as good at football either. Um, but I'm just wondering if he's risking getting a reputation now by by doing this. Pete, you're shaking your head. No, you don't seem to- I love that. I've, I've got so much time for that. There's nothing I love more than these young players coming through. And just irritating other other people who watch the game. Like Jesse Lingard's a classic example. Like people hated Jesse Lingard so so much until he went on that hot streak for United in England. And all of a sudden, he was the best thing since sliced bread. Obviously, it hasn't worked out for him so well since then. But I think players like Haaland and Mbappe, and they make the game so much more fun. Like football is an entertainment sport. Like you want personalities. I don't want he'd give something a little bit different rather than like the monotonous robotic answers we're used to in press conferences. Yeah, I, I have I have to give you this point as well. But on the other hand, I, I can see people like referring to, oh, you're not Slatan yet, so please shut up. Um, please find your own way and don't do it like somebody else does. But I'm I'm totally convinced that it's a way better way to find your your own way to treat those things if you want to be something special than just to do it like everybody else does. I like I liked this interview. I liked it very much because <laughs> he was just yeah doing his thing. I'm just saying it from our from our profession's perspective. Like it's so difficult when you're interviewing someone and then they're just batting away every single question because it feels like it's of on course. you. Um, and actually, it's not. It's on the it's on the other person. Of course, but but if you saw the interview and if you hear what the what the what the interviewer is saying, like are you doing it for Dortmund? So he was giving the answers. <laughs> and that was a really clever way by, by this young guy to turn things around. And I, I feel sorry for the guy who interviewed him too because it was, wasn't that easy job to do. <laughs> um, but, but it was funny. It was, it was funny. But he couldn't do it like every time. It, that's more one, one kind of thing to do it like this. And if you do it the next time, time exactly exact the same way, it will be like, We've been there. Yeah, he did it for Salzburg, didn't he? And, and he got told off halfway through by the press officer, and then he kind of panicked, kind of put on this game face, and then just went robotic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And as we all said, he's, he's 19, so we'll, I think we'll give him a break. Um, we haven't actually mentioned the, well, we have briefly, but um, the other Dortmund star that we were supposedly meant to be hyped around. Um, Jaden Sancho didn't even start. Do you have an update? Was that just, I'm guessing, he had a niggle or a knock or something? Was a little bit cloudy around him. What, what, what was really the, the case, but Dortmund didn't need him. So it was maybe better to rest him and to ease him into the game because, well, we have another week and then the next games, but then you have three games in seven days, including the, the Bayern Munich match. So if there was a problem with him, with his physique or something like physics like that, um, it was definitely the, good, the better choice to leave him out and to ease him in, in, in the game later on. Yeah, I think you'd be more worried if he hadn't been in the squad at all he was on the bench and he came on so I think anything that was wrong with him is obviously just minor maybe he picked up a little like strain or something in training like I, it's not like obviously they lost Gio Reyna to the actual game beforehand and other players other key first team players weren't even in the squad so I think Sancho's not a concern um, another teenager to catch the eye was Alfonso Davies. Um, it seems like he goes viral very easily. Um, there was a moment in the Union Berlin Bayern match 
um, where a lad was through on goal and then he sprinted past, won the ball, and everyone's going, oh, this guy's amazing, this guy's amazing. And if you actually watch the clip, all right, Davies is going quite quick, but the guy he's running past doesn't obviously know he's there because he's not going at full pace either. And it seems like every time Davies does a sprint, um, and it kind of reminds me of um, Yedlin, um, when everyone was going mad for his pace. I'm just wondering, obviously he's better than Yedlin, but is he getting so much hype purely because of his pace or purely or because of his actual exceptional talents elsewhere? Well, the the speed is the first thing you, you definitely notice because it's you cannot not see it because he's done that on several occasions. He's done it against Borussia Dortmund. He's done it against Chelsea. He's done it on really high high uh, level and uh, against really really good opponent opponents and not just Union Berlin. And uh, so that's the first thing you definitely see. But you can also see that he's really calm for a teenager playing that game. That he's really clinical in in defense if he wants to. On his position, the guy, he's just thinking offense, offense, offense. So he's also playing very, really good defense. And in his first games, you can really see the, the coaches telling him not to pass uh, in, in the opponent's half <laughs> and just to concentrate on, on his defense. And he was very, very keen to do that. But then when he was like, okay, I figured it out. It's it's working pretty fine for me. And uh, I've, I've, I've winning the ball on several occasions. Then he evolved even more and, and doing the offensive stuff as well. And that's just a very pretty, ex- ex- um, yeah, amazing run for him because he played in every single game since Hans Dieter Flick took over as coach. Every single game he started and he just missed, I think he just missed 10 minutes or something for the whole season in every game, every single game, in all cup competitions and all Bundesliga matches. And he's just there and playing really, really, really good. Of course, he's doing some rookie mistakes. He's not winning every ball. He's just, yeah, doing doing some stuff a 19-year-old is doing, of course. On the board, but that's a really impressive guy, really impressive start in his first season. Season. I think there's another thing here as well. Like, I don't think you can really underestimate the impact of the North American market. I think, especially when you're talking about like hype being generated. Like, obviously, we oft, for me and Ben and other English-speaking viewers, we oft, we will see hype generated by English-speaking users on social media or websites. And North America makes a large part of that. And I think the Canadian and American markets have been waiting a long time for one of their players to really hit it big in Europe. And when I say one of their players, I don't mean someone like Pulisic, who sort of never was really in the American system. And it's someone who's actually played in MLS for a few seasons and then made the move. And Davis did that. And so many of their players who've moved from MLS to Europe, like say Yedlin, haven't really made the leap. So actually to have someone like him do that is going to only help amplify things. And I think it also helps, obviously, from that perspective, that Bayern have got a terrific following in North America as well. I think that just adds to everything about it. But Florian's right. As a player, he's doing brilliant things. And like he, he never played this position before. He was a winger when he came to Bayern and they've had to push him back to left back because of the injuries partly. But he's done so well there. I think he'll stay there for most of his career. Probably. And you cannot un- underestimate that the situation Lucas Hernandez is in right now is totally related to Alfonso Davis. Because Lucas Hernandez, he was bought for 18 million, which was like double the price Bayern Munich used to play for, for their record fee player before that. Double the price, 18 million for, for a defender. And of course, he had some struggles with injury, but he's fit again and he's not playing. And why is he not playing? Because Alfonso Davis is playing left back and David Alaba is going in the center back left position. And those are the two positions Lucas Hernandez can play. 
and he's not playing because of Alfonso Davis. And that's a really, really, really huge impact you can make as a 19-year-old who came from Vancouver Whitecaps to Bayern Munich. Impressive. Right, well, keep watching him then, everyone. Um, so as we said, Bayern are four points clear in the Bundesliga table on 58 points. Uh, then come Dortmund on 54 um, bit of a mouthful this one, but Borussia Mönchengladbach on 52 and Leipzig on 51. Now, Florian, you mentioned it was a two-horse race earlier. Um, but there's only two points separating second and third. What makes you so convinced that Mönchengladbach and Leipzig are already dead? Lack of consistency for Mönchengladbach um, because they can beat almost every every team. They, they, they beat Bayern Munich on several occasions, but they can also draw like one one against the bottom of, of the league team. Every time, every every game, and so I can't see them keeping up with Borussia Dortmund all the way. And with Leipzig, well, they came from a from a. You have to look at where they come from, and they were first, and now they're nine points behind Bayern Munich, or something like that. It's seven points. So so they really really when you, when you look at this perspective, they they're like getting lower and lower and lower. So. That's basically what I what I was thinking about the two horse race, but of course it's it's still very 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 thin the margin between those three teams and right now everybody's saying, well look at the different situation everything can happen and but what happened is Leipzig drawing to to Freiburg which nobody expected so right now they're out and they could have I mean they could have even lost that but for but for VAR stepping in yeah I think Leipzig I like what they're doing I love the team but I think. You, you only go as your best player goes and their best player is probably Timo Werner and he has got two goals in his last 10 games and this has always been the knock on him that he is he the sort of player who can score goals at a consistent rate he goes in these hot purple patches he gets like 10 in 5 or whatever everyone thinks is the best thing but can he actually do it consistently it's probably why I moved to Liverpool which is obviously being rumoured is actually such a good thing for him because he won't be the main man there'll be, there'll be pressure on other players as well like Salah Mane and Firmino. So if he's there as well, he I think he'll actually do better in a bigger team because of the lesser, lesser responsibility. Because I think right now, at times, it feels like Leipzig are always looking for him to be the spark. And he, for whatever reason, he's not going to do that every single game, which is obviously why they struggled to, to get a result against Freiburg. Yeah, and you can, if you see it from a motivational standpoint, they, they reached the quarterfinals in Champions League and that's basically ripped away from them right now because nobody knows if it's going to continue. And... Um, I think some players may may have focused more on that to to make a decent run down the Champions League, maybe reaching the semi-finals or maybe even going to the finals. They could be capable of if they have a nice draw down the road. And right now they hanging in there in Bundesliga, but they, they dropped from from top to to uh, fourth right now. So it's difficult to to clinch on to your to your to to your aims of the season if you. Have all this in, yeah, in question. If I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'll answer as well, so you don't feel like you're just being thrown under a bus. Where do you see the Bundesliga title going this season? Can you look beyond Bayern? No, not at all, because <laughs> I know some Borussia Dortmund fans, you know, and they're all like, to be honest, we don't want to be champion this year. Why? Because can you imagine winning a title in an empty stadium? Can you imagine like somebody holding up the Meisterschale in front of an empty stadium? Can you imagine like doing a, a championship uh, parade without nobody really allowed to freak out? So 
well, they will take it if if it's there, of course. But it's like this approach. Just get it over with. Just just do it like every year Bayern Munich will win it. Or it would be it would be like um, <laughs> really really uh, funny if if Leipzig would have won it. Like <laughs> everybody would would tell them, yeah, that was the fake championship or plastic championship. So <laughs> let's take it take it there. But I think everything right now is falling into place that Bayern Munich will win it again. Nobody will care about it after it. Just put it away. Let's go on for another season when we can go to stadium again. I think Liverpool fans are fearing what you just said there about it. We're just like, that's the the even bigger story. I just, I don't remember it. No, what Liverpool? No, didn't happen. Pete, who 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 are you saying? You you siding with that? That the argument for Dortmund don't really care, so it's it's Bayern's already. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone at Dortmund would ever admit this, but actually. I think there's probably something to be said for the fact that they're obviously building something at Dortmund. They know they're going to lose their, their best players. But actually, if they win the league this year, I think that might accelerate some of their best players leaving. And if you don't win the league, you're probably going to keep everyone together for at least another year, maybe another two years. And you can actually have a crack at a title or even maybe something. Like If this team stays together for two or three years, they could win the Champions League. There's that much potential in there. But if they win the league this year, I think despite the coronavirus, I think they'll still be pillaged for one or two players at least. Plus, as Florence said, I think fine. There's just too much experience in that team. I think they'll just do like you saw it on Sunday. Like they'll just do what they need to do each week to get the win. And it doesn't. That's if it's a bit boring at times, they're not going to care. Like it's just another title. That's what the, that's their aim. And that's if they get that, that's fine. And they can think about the Champions League whenever that returns. Well, I think the Dortmund players they want to win the title, no doubt about mm. it. But if it comes to like the, the last two, three percent and. Like the feedback you normally get from the fans, yeah, get it, get it. Maybe it's not there right now for them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think Bayern will do it as well. Almost almost sadly, really. And we have touched on this actually. It's a nice segue into our next point. Um, that football sort of lived up to the old cliche at the weekend that it felt like a training session. Um, with no atmosphere, it kind of felt like a medium of football that you didn't need to sit through for ninety minutes. That you could just wait until the highlights package came out and watch that. I just wondered your guys' thoughts really on on a the atmosphere. I mean, do you think football works in its current form? I'm not saying there's necessarily an easy solution. Or B, do you think they need to sort of inject crowd noises or something just just to make it feel a bit more like an important match? Because at the moment you get all these people kind of screaming around, um, but it doesn't. I just it doesn't feel important. It's hard to it's hard to sense any real urgency. Pete, maybe you go first because I'm really keen to hear what it was watching it from the UK. I think, so I'm, Ben will know a bit of this because I worked with you at the weekend, but I did sort of go back and forth on this. Initially, I wasn't really that keen on it. it the intensity was really lacking in the early games. And like you just the first half an hour or so, was just didn't really want to watch it, as Ben said. Then you sort of like, you got back into it. You were, then you're thinking, oh, this is football. Like we haven't had football for eight to 10 weeks. Like it is back and it is nice. And it is still of a pretty high level. Um, and as a lot of people on social media pointed out, like it is a nice thing to be able to like hear the ball when it's being struck sweetly and stuff like that. But I think having slept on it again, I've come back to something isn't missing. And yes, it is probably better than nothing, I think. But if we if this, if this is going to be the intensity level between now and the rest of the season, and obviously we hope it will get better as the players get more sharp, then we need to do something about it because otherwise you're sort of just bringing it back for the sake of bringing it back. And then you have to question why you bothered in the first place. I think 
We should experiment with fan noise. Obviously, the Korean League did that. It, I think it works all right. And I think with the Bundesliga... But they also just... experimented with something else, though, Pete. Well, yeah, I know. That's an unfortunate news story this morning. Blimey. Um, but yeah, I think that we might as well try it and see what happens. I mean, I don't think we should necessarily try it when it's a massive game. So let's just try it next week when there's, there aren't too many massive fixtures and see how it goes. But the ultimate thing is you can't do anything about it realistically because you can't have fans in the in the ground. And it might be that we don't even have fans in the ground at the start of next season. So we it's better that I think we try and react to this rather than just say, let's like, scrap it. Cause we, we're going to have to get used to this one way or another, I think. Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel the same way. For me, football without fans is nothing. It really is. It isn't it. It isn't the whole deal. It isn't even the half deal. It's it's just yeah. You can watch it because no, no, nothing else is there at the moment. So you watch it, but it's like you you don't feel attached too much to to all the the things going on, and you really have to watch it well because the fans and the emotion from the fans is not telling you what's going on at the moment. When when Martin Hinteregger like made the save of the season probably against Borussia Mönchengladbach when he, he saved uh, a clear goal in front of three strikers the whole the whole place would have gone mental and if you wasn't following it close enough you you maybe didn't even wouldn't even notice that as a tv viewer what what was going on there because there was not this immediate feedback from the fans and this Raw going down, going on from from your television, and you get attached to the feelings, you get attached to the emotion. You're not really attached to like, well, some some are to to a decent pass or or a decent goal, but but it's all what it really wraps it up is the emotion, and you're lacking that totally. And this makes it like more clinical. That makes it like more maybe more pathetic even because in the end they're just doing it because of the money. And they're really like not even having the fans there, but they're separating from the fans because they're telling them it's not the important fan is not the the fan in, in the stadium, which we want to bond, where we want to, to connect, but the important fan is the one in front of the television, because that's the money we are really keen on. And that's a problem, I think. Yeah, it's a big problem. The, problem. the thing is is like sports and as I said earlier, sports entertainment thing and the noise and the verb of the crowd and the atmosphere, that's part of the entertainment. Like Put it this way, in terms of, if you go outside the top flights, if you think about the second divisions in different countries, the ones that are most watched are England and Germany. And yes, that's partly because they're the ones with the most money. And yes, that's partly because the standard is a little bit higher. But actually, it's mostly because they're the ones with the best attendances every single week. And the second divisions in, in France, Spain and Italy, by comparison, are pretty pathetic. And for England and Germany, you're regularly getting 15, 20, 25,000 people every week packing it out. And these are really diehard core supporters who are making an amazing atmosphere. And that makes for a better product. Like anyone on social media who's telling you that, like, oh, I watch like this league and there's no fans there and I just watch it for the love of the game. That's rubbish. I'm sorry. You're not doing that. Like you're watching a game to be entertained. And actually, realistically, a lot of sporting games, just not just football, all sport, can actually be a little bit boring at times. And like sometimes that's an uncomfortable thing for people, especially in our profession, to say. But that is true. And part of what elevates it is the fans. And think how many rubbish games that you've watched. But actually, there was that one moment where the fans were going mental, or that there was some funny chance, or there was a good like moment between players and fans. Like it is really important. And on the flip side, is that if you say, "Oh, we're going to have to wait till fans come back," then you're going to have no sport until next year, probably. So 
you know, I, I understand what the leagues are doing. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. But I think they need to try and do something at least. Because you can't carry on as it was at the weekend, I don't think. I, I can totally understand everybody who's... who's, who's do, everybody's just trying to do his best, really. I, I believe that. Everybody, even the, the, the German Football League, they, they really... They, they did a great job, of course. But the product isn't the product that it was before. And you, you can fairly say... Is it really worth it to play right now for well, some health causes which could affect players and all the other stuff? It's perfectly good to ask those questions. But in the end, everybody's trying hard. And to come back to like inject some, some fan noises, it can make it more convenient for the, for the spectator and, and the TV. But in the end, it's still, I don't know, some fake noises. And it won't give you the, the whole deal, which... You need probably. So the only other thought I had was that you could, I mean, top clubs could potentially pay for major fans. I don't know, get like a thousand fans and ship them over like a sort of a broadcasting remote, so that they can be beamed into the stadium as it's happening, basically. So their sounds when they're cheering and getting involved in it could potentially go around and do kind of like a surround sound in the stadium. I don't know how feasible that is, but I'm guessing that they're going to have to think outside the box for this to work because it's only weekend one. And I suspect we're going to have to think. Of some pretty creative ideas to make it work because because for me for me it wasn't watchable yeah. for half an hour Dortmund v Schalke I thought this would be amazing um, and it, even Haaland's goal when it went in I thought no it's it's just not it's not for me I just couldn't I couldn't pay attention and you're right the crowd sounds suck you in when you need to kind of snap out of your daydream or something and there was none of that and you'd look and you'd be like oh, oh I missed a goal oh what happened and I and and so for five minutes I was working out how Benjamin Pavard scored for Bayern against Union Berlin because I just missed it. And I couldn't, I couldn't find, I couldn't see a replay, um, and so eventually I found out he scored a header from a corner. I think they have to bring in some fans when they're allowed to, and if it's just twenty fans, they even can make a small difference. If you can hear them, if you have a nice audio out of them, and you have twenty people screaming, like that's perfectly cool because it's twenty people really going nuts, and you, you like to see them, and the players can connect to them, like like really, really celebrating in front of them. And there is a connection there. There will be more emotion. So and I think they would definitely do. It's allowed to bring at least 20, 50, 100 fans. He can do a lottery or whatever. And then they will do and bring it in, of course. Yeah. You need to get, you need to get away as well to somehow feed that loop back to the players. Because I think the players feed off it as well. So I think Florian's right. Like Even if you just get artificial noises for us the viewer at home you still need something for the players because it gets them in the right mindset like if they if they're cha if they're trying to chase back someone who's a through on goal they can hear the crowd getting more excited and i think if it's like say if you're a defender you think like right i'm going to shut you lot up by making a tackle here if it's no noise then i think it's human instinct i think you just naturally half half ass it i think if you if you know there's people watching human beings will always put in more effort and i think you need to try and trick players minds in that yeah maybe maybe each club could nominate one super fan and get them, get them, get them tested, and then just say, right, you sit at that end of the ground. The away team, you sit at the other end of the ground, and you just have this mad one v one sing off. Why not? They need to do something. They do need to do something. Um, all right, we'll leave it there because I'm conscious that Florian, this is your holiday, um, and despite spending it with us, you'd probably rather not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thanks very much for, um, for yeah, parking your vacation to join us. I hope you, hope you have enjoyed it. Uh, of course, I did. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll be glad to come back anytime you want to talk about Bundesliga. 
Well, potentially that'll be every week from now until July, so you might have signed. You'll let yourself in. Um, And Pete, obviously a pleasure to have you. You'll be back for our um, our debate this week. Looking forward to it. That's going to be a good one. Uh, And thanks to you for home. Pete, hopefully you made it all good the end. Uh, Thanks for listening uh, to Game of Opinions podcast. Remember to like, share, subscribe, all the usual. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.